You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. And we'll get started. We wish to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations lands previously occupied by the Seneca and Huron Wandat First Nations. Grounded, Guided, Growing, A Time for Centering, from Scott Kearns. I remember Ruth coming to me once, or maybe I went to her, and she said, sometimes I hesitate to give these announcements. Where is she? Do you remember that, Ruth? Because she's bringing up need after need after need, and sometimes it's like, I can't hear about another difficult situation far away from me or close to me. And... uh, and I've often said, yes, you've, you've ruined our lives. Um, but keep, keep ruining them that way because of all the ruin. Um, this morning I got up and I looked out our second floor window to the east. And it was dark. And then a few minutes later, as I padded along and came, I saw the sun starting through the trees. And then, and then it got a little brighter and brighter and brighter. And I was thinking of that when we hear so much difficulties, and maybe we have so many difficulties, to take the time to get that clarity of light. Where will I love this world and myself well with what I have, where I am, how I can? So I've got some pictures of increasing light. And if you just slowly scroll through them, and I'm going to play a song that will get a little clearer as it goes. So the first reading is from C. Joy Bell C., a female thinker and writer who is the most frequently quoted on Goodreads. People think I am strong. I am not strong. There is a difference between a strong person and a stubborn person who just won't put her sword down. I am the latter. Again and again and again, pick up. Pick the sword up. Pick the sword up. Pick the sword up. The second reading is from Shah and Shah, Hafiz Khan, who posts in inspirational snippets on LinkedIn. A man with a fading vision walked to the wise man. Oh, wise man, I am going to be blind soon. What should I do? And the wise man said, cross the road. The blind man hurriedly left the room and crossed the road. Nothing happened, assuming it to be a ritual. He kept crossing roads after road. It went on for days. Nothing was happening, so he increased the intensity of his efforts and started crossing more roads. He heard a voice one day while crossing one of the roads. How is your vision? No improvement, sir. I still can't see properly. Despite crossing many roads, I see no improvement in my vision. The wise man said, did you go see the doctor located just opposite 
side of my house across the road. Which doctor? You never mentioned a doctor. The wise man said, you left in a hurry and never asked. Some questions need to be fully understood before grasping the logic of the answer. You were so convinced with the ritual that you kept following it, and after a while it became an addiction. You could have come back and asked, but you were unsure and petrified of starting a new ritual. What if the new ritual will bring more difficulties? So you got stuck with the old and non-working ritual. But I can't see properly, so maybe I wasn't able to see the clinic. No, it's not about looking at things. It's about looking out for things. Even if you had vision, you would have still missed it because mentally you were not ready to go to the doctor. You were looking for a miracle to happen and your mind assumed that the crossing the road ritual is the key, which will eventually unlock the miracle. Remember, the miracle is nothing but a fruit of our labor, and loss in vision is not only related to loss of eyesight. You will find many people who can see properly but are still blind to the failure of their own efforts. Not only that, people notice what you are doing, believing in some miracle, they also change, and then they change other people. That's how one man's lack of vision becomes the cause of blindness to the entire group. Offered as a wisdom for the journey. Maybe walk in its light. Focused moments from Greta Vosper. Uh, this this week, um, the passages that come out of the lectionary for this particular Sunday in Advent are passages that talk about um, the overthrow of those powers that are disturbing and disrupting life of the common people, uh, to overthrow those powers and to take their place and bring a new order to the world. And long, uh, many years, when I was using those texts to bring uh, an Advent message, it was often tinged with the reality that, why would we want you as a tyrant either? Like, Why would we want the powers that be uh, put down, the powers that were, and become the same kind of source of of agony and friction just from a different place, a different people, I mean, from the same place? And so I began playing with the idea of letting go of how the order has been in the past, uh, but holding fast to the ideals that we've had even as those other things start crumbling. And so the theme uh, became Hold Fast and Let Go. I saw your eyes, and in them lay tomorrow. I saw your joy, and in it lay our dream. I saw your beauty and wrote of it our music. We saw our world, and on it staked our claim. Too long, too long we've turned our eyes to seek and feed our bliss. 
Too long we've reached for wealth beyond our simple needs. Too long we've danced through nights lit by no shining stars. Too long we lived in ways that deeply wound your heart. Too late we read your sorrow. Too late. trying to turn it off during the choir but I think I'm still a little too loud because I'm practically whispering can you pull me back a bit can you pull it okay that's about right thanks okay so so about holding on and letting go as I started thinking about that, uh, I was thinking, of course, about some of the perils in our world, the same way that those people for whom those early uh, passages or by whom those early passages were written and uh, applied to the early stories of our uh, faith tradition. Um, I was looking at the way the world is and trying to figure out how it could be different. How could it be better? Uh, and used sort of the idea of an individual life uh, to realize that we have to figure things out all the time. We're always being confronted with new things uh, in our relationships, in our, in our world, in our environment, in our workplace. When we think about uh, relationship, you know, as a child, you're not really planning your relationships out. You know, you just have to endure whatever you have. Sometimes that's amazing. Sometimes it's uh, not and even for those of us for whom it was amazing, there are still little rooms inside us that we have locked and hope no one ever finds the key to those rooms because there's stories about our childhood uh, that maybe we don't even know, uh, that we have buried deep within. And they make us act and be and engage, uh, controlling us a little bit, no matter how small that room is. It has, a, it has a way of influencing what we do and what we say and who we speak with and who we choose to hang with and who we reject. All of that is uh, locked sometimes in little rooms that are so deeply overgrown that we don't even know they're there. And if you feel one of them inside you right now, um, don't pull it out. Uh, find a therapist. It's not easy work. You have to do that slowly, painfully, uh, but uh, you can do it. But a lot of us live uh, with that. We also live, uh, as we grow, uh, when we're children, we have to learn things. We learn to crawl, and then we learn to walk, and then we learn to, to talk, and then we learn, uh, 
you know, to share, and actually they share probably long before they start to crawl or walk, but um, we have to learn things. And learning a language is probably one of the most uh, profound things that happen when we're children. We're born, apparently, uh, with all of the different language abilities and capacities in our brains, but as we hone the brains toward a particular language, uh, whole parts of our brains go dead. So all of the intonations that would make a, a Middle Eastern or a Southeast Asian sound for me, gone. I could probably work on that language forever and never be able to actually get to the intonations and the sounds and the qualities that someone who learned that language before their 10th or 12th birthday would have. So we have to uh, accommodate our brains to the language that we are going to know. And learning a language late in life is a very good way at, you know, building up some of that gray matter, uh, if you're worried at all. So... Uh, find one um, with the same guttural sounds as yours, which are extremely limited, and it will be a much easier uh, path to follow. But uh, learning our language is something that sets our brains in a particular manner. And then there's relationships as we get older. We choose to, to date people, and we have to accommodate their style, accommodate their needs, uh, share with them what ours are, and hope that they'll pay attention. I don't know that there's any kind of uh, gender uh, privilege there along that continuum or not, but often we'll find ourselves in a relationship where our needs are not uh, being met uh, or the other person complains that their needs aren't being met. So we have to struggle to figure our way out of that. And when uh, we, uh, the, the reading about the sword uh, was shared, you know, pick up the sword, pick up the sword, pick up the sword. How many of you have done that? Come on. Oh, well, yeah. You just pick up the sword and keep going, partly because you don't know that there's another world other than the one you've created for yourself. And so you figure you've got, okay, it's another day. I'll get that. Here we go. And it's only when you can actually figure out that you don't need that sword that you can go forward. One of the difficult things about choosing this theme was every time I chose to search for a word that had to do with hanging on to something, tenacity or, or holding on itself or words like that, it always came back, the readings always ended up, even if I chose the reading for the holding on one, oh, that's a good reading for holding on, get that down, I'd look at it 10 minutes later and go, oh, wait a minute, that's about letting go too. Almost every reading had us letting go. And maybe that's because that's the thing we have to learn. Holding on is instinctual, right? We can hold on to anything, but letting go is the piece that creates a little bit uh, more uh, unrest, uh, provides a greater challenge. And so even the holding on quotes were the quotes about letting go. Um, when you parent, you have to learn uh, how to do baby talk, right, if you just have a child, except I think that's actually instinctual. Has anyone ever seen a parent who doesn't know how to do baby talk? Oh, oh yes, okay. We have one in the group. Um, but most parents automatically do uh, baby talk stuff. Um, you have to learn to be a number of things when you become a parent. I have, a, I have an abbreviated list here. You have to be a, a teacher and a judge. You have to be a dietitian, a behavior management expert, a doctor, 
a nurse, a personal support worker, a personnel manager, a cook, an Uber driver, a cleaning staff, a locator of lost devices, a translator, a negotiator, a police officer, and I'm sure you could add to the list, right? When you become a parent, your skill set explodes. It's unbelievable. Uh, you, you learn so many new things. But how many uh, parents who have been stay-at-home parents go back into the workplace thinking, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know how to do anything, right? I don't have anything on my resume. <laughs> Talk to me. We'll fill out that resume. We also learn to hold on to the skills that we acquire. Um, and, and I love this uh, for the most part. When you've learned all those things, uh, you may not have learned them well, I know, and, you still, and so you hold on to not doing well with those things, but you do hang on to them. So when you learn, uh, and when you learn technical terms, when you learn a big word, it immediately becomes part of your vocabulary. The next person you use that word with, you assume they know it, because you know it, right? And, and that glazed look is often because you're using words that you didn't know at some point in your life, even as an adult, but that you have acquired, and so you assume everyone has them. And I, I do this with Scott all the time, his vocabulary is so limited. <laughs> Absolutely untrue, oh my gosh. There are several words that he has used with me so many times, and I still have no idea what they are. Epistemology is one of them. What's the other one, honey? That one, I love you. Yeah, I have no idea what I love you means. Good call, right? <laughs> Once you learn to ride a bike, you always know how to ride a bike, right? How many of you have tested that out in the last three years? I am impressed. Whoa, not me. My hand is way down there. Uh, if you learn to rollerblade, how many can rollerblade? <laughs> yeah, don't know that either. Um, how many know how to use an iPhone? An iPhone. <laughs> What's an iPhone? Excellent. That's true. Right? I have no idea how to use an iPhone. Scott is always confused with his iPhone. I have no idea how to help him because I can't do that. Anyway, so go to our readings. Our stubborn nature uh, comes out when we come up with things that are difficult. Um, that's when we don't want to let go of that sword or we want to pick it up over and over again because we find ourselves intractable. We don't want to change. We don't want to let go of the way things are, even if they're not pretty, because we know them. And, you know, the devil you know is always better than the devil you don't, right? So we stick, we plant our feet, and we, we won't move. We hold on to things. And I think that's why these, these readings were so much, even when they were about letting go, they were so much about holding on and, and refusing to change. We know who we are. And if when you look at me, you see someone different than who I think I am, that's your problem, right? That's the way we look at it. You just don't know me well enough. <laughs> Actually, in fact, they may know you better than you know yourself, right? So it's always important to pay attention to where you've planted your feet and check out whether that's really ground worth staking a claim on or whether or not it's something that you need to, to maybe suck your feet out of that muck and find something else a little more solid to stand on. Um, and why is it that we don't change? Uh, as, like, why is it that we get upset about having to change? Uh, or why is it that we persist in behaviors that we've done 
once we've figured out that they're not good, like once we've figured out that it's not okay to act in a particular way, uh, think of teenagers. Uh, they very quick, they know what is beha- appropriate behavior and what is not. Yet they often participate in behavior that is what, what they would identify as not good, and they participate in it over long periods of time. And, uh, and that's, you know, it's not necessarily their own inner guidance system that's telling them to do that. It's the peer group or the pressures from social media. I was listening to how many people were listening to Sunday morning this morning talking about the, the pressures that uh, young people have and the incredibly high rate of suicide and suicide attempts, particularly at uh, universities and how extraordinary that is. Uh, but how extraordinary is it? Uh, they're growing up in a world that is beyond the expectations that we were able to cast out onto the world when we were their age. The world that, that they are looking forward to is one that is completely unknown. Uh, the socioeconomic situations in which they will be living are completely unknown. Uh, whether there will be the kinds of social uh, welfare systems available that we take for granted, unknown. Uh, whether the climate will completely undermine the future that they're looking at, unknown. So for many of them, this stress, uh, the, this, their lives are so stressed that they act out in accordance with uh, what the larger group feels like because it feels a whole lot better to be part of a tribe than it does to feel alone. Um, and my son is 28. He, he, he's, he has a tribe that he hangs with. He has no expectations that he would ever have the kind of life that his sister, who's eight years older than him, has. You know, husband, wife, couple of kids, uh, nice big home. No idea. It's like they were born into two generations and have two very, very, very different sets of expectations. We hold on to our hopes uh, after trying to achieve them makes it impossible uh, for us to find what we really need. When we hold on to our hopes, like the the guy who's losing his sight, when we have staked our claim on something making all the difference in the world, we're not willing to let go of that. Uh, whether or not it's proven wrong or whether or not we're still going year after year after year with the same expectation, with the same behavior, and we can't make it, uh, we carry on in that way. And the second reading, uh, and this, the guy who wrote that, really I could find nothing about him online except that he puts these things on LinkedIn every now and then. Um, but it was a wise story because it, it says to us, yeah, you might think that's the way to do something. And you can live that out over and over again, but it's not going to make things better. When we get stuck, when we believe that something is the right way to be in a relationship, in our, in our own self-care, uh, in the places that we work, if that's the way it's supposed to happen, we don't break out of it. Um, the whole piece of work that's happening when, when organizations completely upend the enti- an entire industry, the way Uber upended the taxi industry, and the way Airbnb upended the hotel industry, um, the whole, what's that word called? Disruption, yeah, disruption. Uh, thank you. Um, that whole idea of disruption uh, to create something different can't happen. You know, we, we make a hotel reservation because we've always made a hotel reservation. We haven't thought about the fact that we could look something up on, 
on Airbnb and find some place in someone's home or a nice apartment flat for a week or so. We just we stay in the ruts that we're in and we don't create the world that we need. So here's where uh, the hold fast and let go relates to those early uh, stories that our tradition held to. The way the world is, is often seen as not okay. Our world is not okay. And that's certainly the message that was coming out of the Israelite people at that time. The world was not okay. They were being oppressed. Uh, a, a foreign power uh, was overseeing everything they did. Their religious authorities were in collusion with that power. So nothing good was ever happening amongst the people. They were living in poverty. They uh, were essentially slaves uh, to this foreign nation. And the way that they went through their lives was with incredible frustration and, and, and misery and sorrow. And so they saw that the world could be different um, because they could get into power. And they would simply cast those down uh, from power who had it and take those positions. That's holding fast in a way. It's letting go of everything they've had, all their pain, all their misery, all that, but they're going to get this incredible gift at the end of it. They're going to be the leaders, the ones who can rule and make things better for their people, their own people. So they hold fast to a structure uh, like the hotel structure or the cab structure. They hold on to that structure because it worked for those people, so it will work for us too. So let's take their place and make it work in a better way than it has in the past. But maybe what was needed more was the idea that we needed to let go of the whole structure and find a new way of being together. That letting go of that structure, which, which has made sense and, is, and has been embedded in the brains of whole cultures, letting go of that structure in order to be able to do something else may be necessary. Indeed, I think it is necessary. You know, we look, at, we look at this world, we look at our peers, we look at our families, and we see those things that we recognize. We recognize the way things work. We recognize the way things function. Uh, we participate in the ways that those things work in order to have our voice heard when we think about our electoral system. Uh, we vote people into power. We expect them to pass bills and go through the motions of bringing change about that will, you know, make the world a better place, make the world more, sh you know, share more or amass more or protect more or whatever. I don't, and I don't even, like those weren't on the left or right. They were all over the place. We just feel comfortable in those systems because we know them. But maybe our thinking has to become far more lateral than that, far more creative than that. Maybe we have to let go of our expectations, of our elected officials, of our boroughs and towns, of our waterway uh, resource people who take care of that kind of stuff like Ontario Waterways. Um, perhaps we have to start questioning all of that 
and not pick up the same old sword in the form of a ballot or the same old story in the form of a, a set of rules and regulations that we're to follow. But we have to think outside of those well-worn paths into that place of disruption where our experience or our anticipatory experience disrupts what it is that we're planning to do. As I was getting ready for work this morning, I was like, I was blowing my hair dry, and then I used a little iron to try to make it look less gray, you know, more shiny gray than, you know, metal gray. And I was putting my makeup on and my, my tights, and, and I was thinking about all these things I wanted to talk to you about today, which was not about my personal grooming, but, um, but I was imagining the world in 15 years. If we weren't, if we were no longer able to rely upon the structures we had relied on before. If we were no longer able to believe that our electoral systems worked. If we were no longer able to teach children in schools because those buildings could no longer uh, be lit. Or we're no longer to pour water out of our taps um, that we can drink or if we can no longer um, run up to the drugstore to get something we need. And I was wondering how much of this I would be doing uh, in 15 years. You know, and how much of, you know, getting dressed and trying to find the right lipstick, which I can never find. How many shades of red are there? Would I even care? It's like we're in that system Pick it up the sword every morning. Pick up the sword. Play the game the way we're supposed to play the game. Be the people everybody expects us to be. Don't rock the boat. Because the truth that would come flying at us if we let go of that reserve that allows us to be together, to recognize one another, to know what most of our values are and how we live them out, to be comfortable in a space that we've owned. We put on our civilization every morning. We hold fast to that. But as we move into the unknown future that our young people will be moving into, um, we as the adults who have formed and molded it, holding on to the powers of, you know, personal taste and privilege, they're not going to want to take our place. They might, they might have enjoyed some of our privileges, but they're unlikely to want to take our place. Their brains function differently than ours because of that unknown future. So they'll never feel the need to pick up the swords that we pick up every single day to keep everything in place. Because they'll know that things can't be kept in place. And they will, perhaps long before we are ready, 
tell us we have to stop holding on. That we have to see the world in a new way that they bring about, which may not be comfortable for us at all, which will not spare us our little pleasantries and curling irons. Uh, That will perhaps mean that the moment that was humanity on the face of the earth is not just a moment, but maybe something longer than that. So as you go about your week, what I want you to do is pay attention to every sword you pick up because we're stubbornly holding fast to the things that make our lives pleasant and beautiful, aesthetic. And just note it. I don't expect you to throw the sword away. Just note it. So that in these next tumultuous years, you'll at least be ready to leave hold of one or another thing as we move into a world that is made creative and disruptive by the generations that come after us. So pick up the sword. Count the many jewels in the hilt. Makes it that much harder to let go of. But be ready for the day when you need to. Thank you. Who is your being again? People call me Darwin, but my traditional name is Brown Eagle. Welcome to Grassy Narrows.
doesn't have one, Velda has extra, okay? Does everybody have a pen? Velda's got pens and everybody um, should have one of these. Pardon me? That's right, exactly, yes. Just um, before I go through, we walk through this, and it'll only take a couple of minutes for you to do, um, I'd like you to meet some of the youth from Grassy Narrows. Peter, we have a very, uh, just a one-minute video to meet the people, the youth of Grassy Narrows. Who is you being again? People call me Darwin, but my traditional name is Brown Eagle. Welcome to Grassy Narrows. It's been a half a century since 10 tons of toxic mercury was dumped into our rivers. It's poisoned the fish and had a devastating impact on our people. I have, I have trouble speaking, I have speech impairments, I have like, you know, learning disabilities. We're only kids, we're literally youth, having mercury symptoms already, from our lake, our home. It's Canada's worst health crisis, but the government wants to keep it quiet. We're not going to let them. We will not stand by and let people die. It's amazing to see how far our voices could get. I want them to get even further. And that's where you're coming. With your help, we'll take this fight global. And so this is your opportunity to... Do an, an act of, give an act of love and hope to other to these people. Um, we've drafted three brief sentences, and what we'd like to do, take your papers and separate them. On the first paper with the youth, our community can't wait any longer. Just fold it in half or thereabouts. So it will fit into your, or fold it so it'll fit into your envelope, but, sorry, fold it so that the, we want you fold it so that you can write on the back, the back side of it, okay, the blank side. And choose one of the brief statements here, or you can write more. It's also very important. We want this to be personalized. We don't want the government to think that somebody just thumped out all these letters. That's why we're asking you to use a pen, use your own handwriting, and put your return address on the envelope in your handwriting. And then on this, do your ask. Put the date, dear Prime Minister, act now, and, and any one of these three or all three or your version of it on the, on the paper and sign it. 
please. So you, the date, dear Prime Minister, you ask and sign it with your name. And we will, and please give them to us um, at the end. We will collect them. We will mail them for you. Now they're all, it, it's free postage to Ottawa, okay? So the second ask is to take the second sheet that says Grassy Narrows Youth on it. Please, please take it home and give it to a friend, a neighbor, a spouse, a relative, whomever, and ask them to be a part of this Amnesty International uh, write-a-thon. All the instructions they need are right here on it and remind them that it's free postage to Ottawa. All they need is an envelope and a pen. Thank you. We, we can't thank you enough. We will collect them afterward. If you have any questions, Veld and I will be at a table in the, in the lobby afterward. But thank you for this gift of hope. We really can make a difference.
I'm just going to... Thank you. <laughs> we don't want the letters to fall out. Um, you go out into a world uh, where you are called to uh, bring joy and share hope and offer peace and be uh, light uh, in this very dark time of the world, our time of the year. So go and do that work. Thank you. to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.